Welcome to this week's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic. And on today's episode of the podcast, I speak with Chris Derrick from The Bowerman Track Club. Chris is a really amazing guy with a really storied career. He ran 1808 for the three mile as a freshman in high school, which is a pretty respectable time, but nothing out of this world. Well, flash forward four years with... um, with having Paul, the legendary Paul Vandersteen as a coach, he ran, ended up running for one of his final races as a senior um, in track, 1355. So he cut over four minutes in his high school um, over the 5K distance. So really fun and inspiring stories throughout his high school career. We also go through his years at Stanford and then also his years at Bowerman um, and just so many different subjects, questions, all of that fun stuff. We have a lot of fun questions. We talk about death camp. Um, We talk about his new blog, some of his hot takes, um, rapid fire questions, some of his more fun dishes. Will he ever write a cookbook? So many fun questions in there as well as some amazing advice from Chris. So I hope you appreciate this episode as much as I did. Special thanks to Chris for hopping on the show with me. I really appreciate it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Derrick. Chris, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I'm excited for our conversation. And starting out our conversation, I have two warm-up questions. The first one is, what does a normal day in the life look like for you? Uh, yeah, pretty pretty simple. You know, normally wake up, drink a bit of coffee, do some do some uh, warm up exercises, go for a run, come back, eat, nap. You know, maybe do a little work, uh, maybe hit the gym, and then you know maybe another run, cook, cook dinner, hang out with my fiance Sarah, and then go to bed. So at altitude camps, I like to ask some of the Bowerman athletes this, but up at altitude camps, who do you think, in your opinion, is the best cook? Um, frankly, I think I'm the best cook. Oh, okay. Um, controversial, I know. I mean, I, have, I, I, as the team has gotten bigger, there's been fewer and fewer, you know, like huge dinners where everyone cooks for everybody because it's, you know, there's like 20 people now. But, mm-hmm. um, so I can't claim to have sampled everyone's food, but... Certainly, I will say this: of the men, I'm the best cook. Okay, definitely. yeah, no, um, I can't, I can't speak to all the women, um, but yeah, I'm gonna throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, so I've never heard any of the men's names spoken. I've heard Shelby's name brought up many times, including from herself. Um, so we'll have to throw your name in that ring. That's that's really great. So speaking of food and you being the best cook, um, if you had Gordon Ramsay, the man, the myth, the legend, coming over for dinner, what would you make him? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I didn't think about this one as much as I as I had hoped to because I really wanted to have a good answer. But um, I think I would probably uh, I like to I like to bake bread, so I'd probably I think I'd probably I'd make hanger steak with chimichurri sauce, and then maybe some some fresh bread, um, maybe a little or cornbread, which I also quite enjoy making, and then. Um, you know, depending on the method that I made the steak, maybe either like a, you know, like a, a kale farro salad or uh, maybe some grilled vegetables. Wow. Chris, that would be my option. Yeah, Chris, you sound like quite the uh, professional cook. So I have to ask, 
two questions. One, will you ever come out with your own cookbook? And two, if you don't come out with your own cookbook, will we ever see any of your recipes in Shalane's cookbooks? Uh, um, I, I baked some bread for Shalane that, that she talked about putting in, but I think it was kind of, I kind of thrown it together uh, haphazardly. And I don't know, like bread baking is like not complicated, but you need like a lot of, or you just need like some equipment and experience with some of the stuff. So it's kind of like, in a general cookbook, it's maybe not the best the best thing to throw in. But um, yeah, probably not going to see a cookbook from me. I mean, I guess I guess I'll have one ready if I ever win the New York City Marathon, like Shalane did, and then I can toss <laughs> mine in the hat in the ring. But um, yeah, if you if you want my cookbook, I would just say buy the Food Lab by uh, Kenji Lopez Alt. Okay, my, that's my advice. Kenji okay, inspiring young cook. Okay, I'll make sure to uh, leave a link in the show notes for that cookbook. So it sounds awesome. Okay, going in on a more serious note, talking about running, not necessarily food. Um, can you take us yep. through how you got your start in the sport of running? And then also, what were your first impressions of it? Yeah, so um, I started running the summer before my freshman year of high school. Um, I went to school. My high school had 4,000 kids. Like, there were 1,100 kids in my class. So, um my parents actually made me do the summer running program. I was, uh, I was also pretty young for my grade. So when I went to college, I was, I turned 18, like the fall of my freshman year of college in October. So, um, there goes, I was 17 when I graduated high school. Um, and yeah, my parents heard about the program. Like they knew I, I played like basketball and baseball, but I was like, just okay. And it was a huge school. And so they wanted me to have something to do. So I, I joined the cross country team and yeah, I wasn't like that good to begin with. Um, I ran eighteen oh eight for three miles my freshman year. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of, I just, I had a really good coach in Paul Vanderstein, you know, my high school team won the national championship, uh, my senior year. And, uh, yeah, he just, you know, he just basically told me, if you run every day over the winter, you'll, you'll beat more people. It wasn't even like, Oh, you'll, you're on X time. It's just like, you would literally be better than some people you're worse than now. If you run every day over the winter. And I was like, all right. So I did that. And, um, yeah, I got a lot better. And, uh, the next year I was like the top guy in varsity and just kind of took off from there. So, um, yeah, my first impressions, uh, I remember being really upset. My parents said they wanted me to do the summer running program. And I thought it was like a, a slam dunk argument that, they the team did th a three mile warm up because <laughs> um, I thought like that was so obviously absurd that she would run three miles like as a warm up that they could never make me do such a thing. Um, so I remember that I remember being at the kitchen table making that argument and not winning it. And then um, I remember uh, I remember like you know I was in like maybe like the fourth group we waited you know, we like six groups uh, at this camp at the camp and I uh, I remember being in like the fourth group and going for like a 25 minute run and like working really hard to get up to the front of the group and then kind of, I don't know, like not really understanding that you just had to like keep going. I mean, obviously I knew that intellectually, but I was like, Oh, it'll feel easy once I work hard to get up there. And then it just like kept hurting. And I don't know, that was like a very valuable, uh, very valuable skill to learn to like 
you know, be okay with being uncomfortable for a long period of time. So totally. Yeah. Those are kind of my, those are kind of my early, early impressions of running. Yeah. So you spoke about having Paul Vandersteen as a coach. I think a lot of people in the high school running community know who he is just because he's been very accomplished. Um, so I know you shared a little bit about him, but if you could go a little more in depth, what was it like having him as a coach and also kind of someone who believed you could do big things in high school? Yeah, yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with that last comment. That I mean, the biggest the biggest thing with Coach Anderson was he was just someone who really believed in everyone on the team. Um, you know, we had 130 boys on our cross country team, so it was a huge team. And like, even like, you know, he would shake every kid's hand after practice, and just kind of those little things, and like seemed to really know everybody. Um, and yeah, we would joke that he would tell every kid that they. Uh, you know, he'd tell every kid they can make top seven next year or whatever. And like he told a lot of kids they can make top seven next year. And I think, you know, the magic of Paul is that he always believed it. Like he was never really BSing anybody. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, he's obviously a very good coach. Like technically, you know, he, you know, good aerobic work. Like I always kind of joke that, you know, we used to, our main workout was like 1200s on the grass at tempo pace over the summer. And then I kind of showed up and, um, to BTC and we were doing miles on the grass at tempo pace. And it was like, well, nothing's really changed, <laughs> I guess, in high school, you know, like this is, this is what it's all about. Just, just doing the same thing Paul Vanishing's had me do. But, um, so, I mean, he's obviously a good, like coach, sort of a running coach. Um, and, but I think, you know, just, uh, especially in high school, it's like people, um, you know, you can, you can get really far as a team. If you just, if you have like 10 kids in a class that are willing to, care and try and commit and build a culture. Um, and Paul was, you know, was and is amazing at just getting kids to believe in themselves and, and to, to see, a, you know, a better future for themselves in running. And, and that's just a very, very powerful thing. Absolutely. You previously mentioned you ran 1808 for, I believe, three miles your freshman year, but you closed out your high school career, I think at the Arcadia Invitational, you ran 1355 in the 5K. Yep, that's right, for anybody who's listening who thinks I just messed up. No, he did cut off over four minutes off of his time. So what do you attribute that success and improvement to? Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, there's definitely luck involved, you know, I think I mean, I was pretty underdeveloped my freshman year of high school and, you know, there's, uh, adapting to training is a skill, you know, it, you know, it, it is a talent in and of itself, but yeah, I mean, I just, I basically, I think there was one winter, my, you know, the one winter, my freshman year, there was like one week where I ran like three days when I was supposed to run five or six and I really hurt the next week. And after that, I just pretty much, I mean, I just did what my coach said like every day. Um, and he was a great coach and I obviously had talent that was undeveloped. And I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. Like I, I wish I could tell you I had some sort of like, you know, secret to hand out or like superhuman determination or I don't know, like, but literally I just, I had a really good coach and you know, our program was even pretty simple and he just, he, I just committed to just doing what I, you know, what he planned for every day, like whether I was on vacation, with my family or anything, you know, just like get, get the, get the runs in mm-hmm. and yeah, it just, um, you know, I'm not going to say everyone's going to improve four minutes, but, um, you know, I mean, one of the other guys who was on our national championship team, who was my year, he, he ran 19 minutes his freshman year and he ran, um, you know, he ran 14, I think 56 
for three miles. Mm-hmm. See, you know, senior year when we won, um, and that's like a story I've seen over and over again. Where, um, yeah, it's no guarantee for anyone, obviously, but uh, yeah, if you're like a lot of people are not willing to just do the very boring, basic work of doing what they're supposed to do every day, uh, and that will take you a long ways. So it sounds like you had an extreme belief in Coach Vandersteen to kind of take you to the next level. And I'm sure uh, you have a similar um, belief in now Coach Jerry Schumacher at Bowerman, or at least when you joined, um, just that whatever work he prescribes, if you follow that out, you will become better and run X time. Why do you think it's important to um, like believe in those who are in placed charge of you, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um I mean, one, if you don't believe in what you're doing, you might not do it, right? And two, um, I don't know, I think confidence is extremely important. I think all the time about, you know, one thing I've kind of learned over over the years in races and stuff is like, um, you know, I feel like the, the races where I got the most out of myself were races where I didn't feel very good or I had been hurt and so like my training wasn't great, but I knew that I could do something. Like I knew for sure. I remember, I, you know, I ran my, my, I think junior year indoors, I'd been hurt and I'd been running for like six weeks and I was like the last guy in the nationals. And I told my coach, like I was definitely, you know, I'd never been worse than seventh, I think in a, in a, in siblings, including cross country. And so I, you know, I told my coach, like I was going to score or I was going to get top eight. And like, I just, I ironically wanted one of the guys I beat. To, I think he was. I think the guy. I think he was ninth place. Was Noah Med, who's now like a twelve forty seven. Back then, I was like, I know I can beat this kid. Like I, I I've done it before. I, I'm going to do it again. And um, yeah, I think that like running is really hard. Um, you know, in a race situation, and it's hard in workouts. And you can come up with a lot of reasons why. Like you know, you come up with a lot of a lot of reasons why you can't do the thing. And your your mind kind of naturally wants to find those reasons because it doesn't want to keep hurting. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, really believing in, in your training and what you've done and believing in your own abilities, um, not to some insane cocky degree, but just like being very clear with yourself about what you believe you can accomplish. I think that that is, um, it's incredibly important. Yeah, Absolutely. So recapping your kind of high school career as a whole, one final question. If you could go back and give one piece of advice to your high school self, what would it be? Um, for me, that's kind of a personal question. So I'm going to have to, I can't, have I to can't, pass I'm that. Sorry, that's I totally have, fine. I know what I would say. I know what I would say, but I can't tell you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So moving into your Stanford years, obviously, as we kind of just recapped, you were incredibly accomplished in high school. So I imagine you could really run basically wherever you wanted to. So what went into the decision to uh, choose to run for Stanford? And then also um, what stood out about the program that made you want to go there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to go to like a, a good academic school and, um, Stanford's obviously like a very good one and, uh, California is beautiful. Um, but yeah, my coach, uh, you know, coach Vanderstein told me, you know, I should go, you know, go where I would be happy if uh, I got hurt or the coach left, um, which was good advice because a lot of the coaches I talked to ended up leaving by the time that they, by the time I graduated. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just really got along with the guys on the team super well. I mean, 
Elliot Heath was um, my like the guy who hosted me on my recruiting visit, and he's you know going to be the best man at my wedding, and like you know three of the other guys who were you know in that class above me that were my host, you know host like I met that weekend, like they're going to be in like my wedding party and stuff. So like that was I just knew I kind of clicked really well with them, and um, yeah, I'm that's that was pretty much it. I mean, I honestly, like I was actually a little uncertain on the running side. Um, there was a coach there who actually, he, he retired, um, before I started, but, um, just, he was, he was a very accomplished coach. Great. Had done a great job, but like the way he trained was not necessarily the way I was used to training. So I was a little like, that was my only hesitancy. He was like, Oh, I don't know if this can be right for me running wise. And then, uh, he retired and Jason Dunn came in and we got along great and yeah, everything was great. So when you first came onto Stanford's campus and started training with the team, did you struggle at all with the new training load along with the new challenges of academics or were you pretty good for the most part? Uh, I got like a 103 degree fever at training camp. Ooh, um, it does in, not sound fun. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I had, had mono at the end of my senior year. And so then, yeah, this was probably, I was probably training too hard. Um, and I kind of just got lucky. Um, yeah, I, I, that was, that was definitely the biggest struggle, but, um, yeah, they were coming from a, from a coach who was more of like, more like short distance. And there were a couple of classes that they kind of hadn't really recruited. So there was only like one guy in like the junior or senior class when I joined and there's a bunch of fifth years. So, um, yeah, I, I actually joined and I was the, I think I had the fastest five KPR on the team of like when I joined. So, um, it was definitely a pretty unique situation and I, I look back and I was very fortunate because I, you know, I ran, I ran the full cross season and then I doubled at indoor nationals and then ran world cross two weeks later or a week later. And then I, uh, you know, I ran the 10 K and I ran, you know, pretty hard 5 K at Peyton Jordan. And then I ran the 10 K and 5 K at conference. And then I ran 5 K at nationals and like there's a lot of races. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I, um, I think I was pretty lucky to make it through all of that, you know, rel- you know, pretty unscathed. Um, and also I was, you know, I was a pretty boring guy. I didn't like really go out or anything. So <laughs> that made it easy. You know, that definitely made it easier to stay healthy and get all, you know, get all the sleep I needed. And then, um, yeah, on the academic side, it was, I mean, it was, it was fine. I had, I come from a, from a really good public school where we had a lot of homework and stuff and, um, you know, took a lot of, took a lot of AP classes. And so, uh, you know, having a high workload was not, was not necessarily new to me. Gotcha. So I know you did this a little bit, but can you take us through, um, some of your first years at Stanford and some of the ups and downs that ensued? Um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty fortunate that it was, you know, at least for my personal running, it was a lot of ups. Um, you know, I was like, I think I was seventh at, you know, seventh across freshman year. And I was, fourth in the 5k fifth in the 3k indoors and i was i think 15th at junior cross world world junior cross and then um yeah i ran 1329 outdoors i was third in the 5k outdoors and then yeah i mean the first really big disappointment um you know we had been i think third as a team my freshman year and that was a big accomplishment but we really wanted to win the next year and we were ranked number one in the country i think and we um you know i finished third but we ended up finishing 10th and that was pretty that was pretty brutal. Um, and then that, you know, I think I got hurt kind of, I read, ended up having to register indoors that year. That was kind of the first time I'd really gotten hurt. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, uh, but honestly, like it was, you know, the, we kind of had a monkey on our back in terms of team cross stuff. Um, just like never, you know, the next year, I think we probably, you know, we, we should have been first or second and we were fourth. So that was always, that was just the hardest thing for the most part. I mean, I had, I had some injury problems and, um, you know, my sophomore, junior, senior year, but they, uh, until senior year, really, it wasn't like, it didn't, I don't think it really kind of affected how I look back on my career. I just, um, I did like, I hurt my planner pretty bad, um, at the conference meet my senior year, uh, just after I had run like a fast 10 K, uh, to get like the Olympic standard. And that, that affected me pretty, pretty poorly. I think, um, I ended up, you know, third at NCAAs and I was really hoping to win. And I was fourth at the trials when obviously, you know, top three is what you want. So, um, yeah, that was, that was probably like the biggest, uh, I mean, it really was, you know, it was the best season of my career overall from cross through track, but it was also pretty disappointing. And it's kind of the one thing I look back on that I would really, I would really do differently if I could, it's just like how I handle that injury and kind of all that. Mm-hmm. How did you keep your head up after some of those struggles both the injuries and then also not necessarily placing as well as you might have liked to as a team collectively. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to overstate like my perseverance there. Like I, you know, frankly, frankly, I, I, I had a pretty hot streak of, of good running in college and like the team stuff was really hard and like kept trying to like figure out what we could do differently. But it, you know, I, I always ran well, so it wasn't, it was not like a soul searching moment for me necessarily. Um, and then, you know, I, I definitely had some, a lot of regrets that summer when I was fourth the trials and just kind of like seeing, realizing I had missed an opportunity. Um, but then I was also coming to join, you know, come and coming to join Jerry and moving to Portland. So that was really exciting. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of, pretend I, I don't looking back I don't think I knew really knew very much about struggling um and getting over things even if I might have thought that I did yeah so can you take us through possibly the highlight of your collegiate career running the American collegiate record in the 10k which I believe still stands to this day what did it feel like to achieve such a momentous achievement when you crossed the line uh yeah, I think I was actually kind of pissed. That I lost to Cam Levin, <laughs> college guy, and uh, yeah, he won the race. Um, you know, but he's Canadian, so no one keeps track of the American Cana- or the Canadian collegiate record. I don't think, but um, yeah, I uh, I felt really good in the race. It felt fantastic. Frankly, I've been chasing that feeling the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I, I was. I think, yeah, I was. Uh, I really enjoy the 10, like when the 10 K, when you feel good in the 10 K, it's like, it feels really good. The 5 K always hurts, always sucks, but the 10 K can feel really nice. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was, um, that was obviously a really good race. I think, um, you know, actually the, in terms of like how I felt afterwards, you know, I was obviously very proud, but I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really know what the American collegiate record was. Um, you know, I knew what the collegiate record was, but, um, yeah, I was happy that I got the Olympic standard. That was like the big goal of the race. Uh, it was kind of, it was a little, it was a little funny. Cause like, I, you know, so I finished just ahead of Mohamed and, and Diego Estrada. Um, but they both got the Olympic standard and um, Mo obviously runs for Canada and Diego was running for Mexico at the time. And so they were both like celebrating cause they were going to go, they were going to go to the Olympics. 
Um, and so there's a part of me that was like, well, shit, I wish I was like Belgian or something. <laughs> you know, I'd be an Olympian right now. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fine. I mean, it was, yeah, it was really good. It was, it was, I, I don't think I, I, do, I definitely didn't appreciate it as much as I should have. Um, you know, that's, that's actually still my PR to this day. And I'm, I was always a little disappointed in that. Um, you know, I just never ran the, I never ran a fast 10 K when I was fit for it after that. And yeah, I mean, when I finished the race, like I was like, Oh, I got another like 10, 15 seconds in me. Like, you know, I, I think I went like 13, you know, like 13, 55 or 14 minutes, you know, and then cut down with like 1330 in the last half. So I was like, Oh yeah, I got like tons more seconds in me. Um, you know, that was easy or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, looking back, I wish I would have maybe appreciated a little more and, um, definitely wish I would have run faster afterwards. Where does that competitive drive come from? Both you said you were a little mad when you lost to Cam, but also that competitive drive and seeking out every last second, like you said, you thought you could go a little faster when you finished. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think um, probably ego. You know, I think I think if you're like a very, I think I think what people would teach you about being very mentally healthy and uh, all that would probably probably preclude or um, go against being so obsessed with status like that. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be good. I wanted to, I don't know. I've always loved sports. I've always loved competing and um, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to see what I can do, which is like the, you know, like the polite way to put it, but also like, I wanted people to think I was good at sports because then they'd like me more, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know that there's that too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, it's kind of all that. It's like, there's an internal pride of like knowing that you've done a good job at something. And then there's like an external pride of like people tell you you're great. Like, that's nice, man. You are a straight shooter. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's not, it's yeah. nice having an honest conversation. I think a lot of people would sit here and kind of sugarcoat it. So I appreciate you saying it like it is and giving us a raw interview. So I appreciate it. Um, final question before we go into your years at Bowerman, kind of last question in the Stanford phase. So you left Stanford incredibly accomplished. You were a four time, 14-time All-American, three-time NCAA runner-up, and then, as we just mentioned, the American collegiate record holder in the 10K. Um, But as I just said, you were a three-time runner-up, so you had never won an NCAA title. So did you leave college with a chip on your shoulder, or did you feel fulfilled with all the progress you had made? Because obviously you had improved quite a lot from the moment you stepped on campus to the moment when you stepped off campus. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know if I would say a chip on my shoulder, but I, I remember, um, I remember joining the group and talking to Jerry and, you know, I, I'd, uh, I was never, I, I didn't go into the season in 2012 being like, I'm going to make the Olympic team or like, that's really my goal. Um, I kind of developed the possibility of that developed as I went through the season. And I think that's, that contributed to some of the mistakes I made. Um, and I, you know, I was really, I just wanted to run pro and I wanted to have a contract and all that stuff. And so, you know, I with how bad my foot hurt and like how I felt going into the trials race, you know, there was definitely a, a big part of me that just wanted to like, not, not finish like last and like not get signed and not get to join the group. And which was not a very reasonable thing to think. And yeah, I finished fourth and it didn't, 
it didn't really hit me um, like really what that meant, you know, cause I was like 21. I was like, well, of course I'll be back. Yada, yada. Um, you know, I just run 2740 like in that race yeah, at the trial. So it's like, well, that was really good. Cause like my foot really hurts. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really put together exactly what that meant until I was, I was in drug testing and I was sitting there like totally by myself, like, you know, no one else around. And then all three of the guys who like made the team, uh, came in and they've got like the jackets, the USA jackets they give you and their little American flags. And they all had like their families and their agents and their coaches with them. And they were just like super happy. And I was like, Hmm, like third and fourth are very, very different. Um, which it sounds stupid to say now, but like, it didn't really hit me in that moment. Um, or it didn't really hit me until that moment, like that I had run well, but it was like, that was a big missed opportunity. And so then I remember talking to Jerry and, um, yeah, I, I gone out like pretty much in last in that, in that trials race. Um, because that's what I did at Peyton Jordan and I felt good and I was kind of searching for something. And so, uh, you know, I ran, I actually, I found, you know, what I was looking for, like I felt good. And then I moved up, uh, you know, I made a big move to get up towards the front and I ran like two sixty fours in a row. And then the next lap or two laps later or whatever, like Dathan made his big move and he ran two sixty threes in a row and I just, I couldn't cover it. And, uh, yeah, I remember talking to Jerry and like, he was, you know, one of our first conversations when I joined the group, he was like, you should have made the team like you really missed an opportunity. Um, and I, yeah, just, I, that was like a good kick in the pants for me. Like he was, and that was something Jerry was always very good at. Always, always realized better than young kids realize. It's like, you only get so many chances like to be an Olympian or to like, even really to like be at your absolute fittest. Like the guys who run like Bernard the God or whoever, who are really good for 12 years, like that's not the usual, like, for the most part, you really hit your peak for two to five and you should, you need to like nail those years. And so, yeah, I think that was something I tried to take into my next couple of years with the group. And, um, yeah, something that Jerry really imparted to me. So you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but does that sting at all looking back just with Jerry saying, you know, you could have made the team if you had ran that differently because obviously making the Olympics is something you've been chasing for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does. Um, you know, I, frankly, I don't think about it as much as I used to. Um, but I thought about it a lot, um, you know, right after that. And, uh, I definitely, you know, in 2016, I, I finished fifth, but I wasn't really in it like the way I was in, in 2012. And, um, I remember, you know, I, I had been hurt for a longer period of time, you know, basically from February through, uh, you know, from January through like April that year or something like that. And so like, I wasn't even in very good shape going into the race. And I remember kind of like chuckling to myself, like in the tent before you go in, just being like, huh, like in 2012, I was like, just trying to just like, just get through this, you know? And like, I would, I would do a lot to have like that fitness right now, um, for this race. And so, yeah, I think, um, it's definitely something I've thought about. I mean, uh, and like I said, you know, I'm a competitive guy and I care, you know, what my accomplishments are and what people think about me. But at the same time too, as I've gotten older, like, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to get married and I have a lot of great friends and like, I've been very, very lucky to, you know, I think I, you know, I, uh, people tend to think like that they're everything bad that happens to them is like bad luck and everything good that happens is because they're such like a great and tough person. 
and like it's it's a lot more it's a lot more even than that right a lot of the stuff that a lot of the good stuff is luck too and like i've been very lucky in the sport and in my life and um i yeah i i definitely regret not doing that but i don't know you can only you can only regret that for so long um i mean i guess you could regret it for the rest of your life but like that wouldn't be any fun <laughs> yeah so you seem like a, a super grateful person grateful for all the things you've achieved um and just have a really great mindset why do you think it's important to be grateful and have a positive mindset about everything uh i mean i wouldn't say i have a positive mindset about everything but i think um i think it's important i think it's important to keep things in perspective at different times you know i think um you know, there's a, stay, there's a saying in, in statistics, if I can be a nerd for a second. <laughs> totally. Uh, you know, all, all models are wrong, but some are useful. And I think an p- important part of, like, being an athlete is knowing when you need to use different mental models. And so, um, you know, when you're in a race and, like, in a competitive situation, I don't think it's good to have perspective and to be like, well, you know, I'm very lucky to be here and, like, probably whoever wins this race, so, you know, everyone will try hard and you know, my, you know, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme how I do, like, uh, you know, as long as, you know, I'm, I'm happy, like, whatever, right? Like, you got to believe in that moment, at least for me, like, no, like, this race is just all about the choices I make, and, like, this matters so much, and, like, things will be, at least for me, like, I got to believe, like, things are going to be bad if I don't do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next day, like, the months after that, like you can't live your life like that. Cause you're going to beat yourself up over things that frankly, maybe you couldn't have controlled. Um, and so I don't know. I just think it's important to, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I try to stay on a pretty even keel with things, but also like, uh, it's important. I just think it's important to kind of be able to switch your gears when you need to mentally. Um, yeah, just so you can, you can achieve the things you want, whether that's running fast or being happy. Yeah. So we mentioned Jerry Schumacher a few times. After your very accomplished career at Stanford, you joined the team in 2012. So what went into the decision to sign with Nike and Bowerman, and what stood out about the group that made you want to join them? And then also, was Bowerman even Bowerman at that point, or was it still like the Oregon Track Club? No, it was still technically the Oregon Track Club. I ran one race in the Oregon Track Club singlet. I uh, won U.S. Cross, and then, yeah, then we just ran, won the normal Nike, wore the normal Nike singlets for a while, and then we be, we kind of joined up and became BTC, um, uh, which has been awesome, you know, getting to be a part of the the growth of that and the youth program and kind of connecting all these different strands has been, has been really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I knew Evan from high school, um, and, you know, there actually weren't as many groups at the time as there are now. Um, and I just felt like, yeah, Jerry and I, you know, we kind of, we got along, um, or, you know, we, we were, we were a similar mindset and, uh, you know, his group was just very, it was just very team oriented. Like I really enjoyed being in a team environment and being, uh, yeah, just being in a place where people have fun and support each other. And I don't know, have like the, have the values that I think are important. And, uh, Jerry, you know, in terms of, being both very accomplished and having those things, like I think Jerry's group was was the only place um, at that time that was even close. Um, and yeah, so I just I knew it was like it would fit with my personality and my values and what I thought was what I thought was important. And so uh, yeah, that's that's where I went. 
So I have to ask, I'll leave a link to this in the show notes, but over quarantine, um, Bowerman came out with a series of videos where you guys commentated over them, which I found very neat, inspiring, and just fun to watch. But one of them, uh, I think it was the Peyton Jordan 5K, I believe, and I don't even think it was Bowerman at that point, as we were talking about. I think it was in just like bright yellow Nike singlets, and I could be wrong, but you guys were talking about Death Camp. So can you share that kind of story of Death Camp and and some of those funny stories? Because if I'm not mistaken, that came at some of your earlier years with the team. Yeah, yeah, that was my second year in the group. It was 2014, so we went to went to Flagstaff to train for like a month in April. Um, so it was just before that race, and uh, yeah, it was like eight of us in this. I mean, it was a really nice house, but it was eight of us in a house like out outside of town. I don't think we had any Wi-Fi. I think we just had Dan's uh, Dan Hewling's like tethering to his phone for uh, you know so we could watch like Game of Thrones and stuff. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was you know jerry like he likes to he likes to test you every once in a while as an athlete um and it was not you know there was no world that year and he i think his philosophy was like we're going to see what these guys got um and we're going to kind of see who can who can stand up to it and how that helps them going forward and so we uh yeah we we trained very hard um we uh there was every 10 days we did these like 5k sessions that were like I don't know. They might be like the best athletic performances of my career. <laughs> um, they were, they were like, you know, five to almost six miles worth of work. And, you know, everything was 60 to five or under, you know, per lap. And it was, it was really hard. And, um, yeah. And then we were also like probably running harder than we were supposed to on some of like the other workouts that are supposed to be easier. There was like a, a progressive tempo where, um, well, previously, like previously Dan had, uh, we, we had been doing speed work and like Dan, like never posts things to Instagram, but he posted a video of me getting dropped in speed work because I'm not that fast. <laughs> and then we showed up to this to Buffalo park to do this progressive tempo. Was this the Dan, Buffalo park invite as you guys called it? Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, Dan, yeah, Dan, uh, I forgot his flats. And so he, uh, I was the only other one who was the same size as him. So I, I wore trainers and gave him my flats. And so then I was like, well, like it's on, like if I, if I can, if I feel good, you know, which I did, like no one can complain. Cause I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing trainers. Chris Derrick was out for blood that day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't start that way, but I kind of like, I was, I was feeling myself a bit and um yeah i don't know ryan i think ryan put in his log like third place at the buffalo park <laughs> like um and yeah i don't know it was just it was it was like we like to joke about it because i think some guys were definitely like pretty tired coming off that camp and obviously we like to tell workout stories where we run really fast and it makes us look good which is you know it's part of being a it's part of being an old guy in the sport is like <laughs> the kids have no idea what it was like and then uh yeah and then also like it was just a great crew of guys like Dan and Ryan, just like those two together can, they just get rolling and they'll, they'll crack anybody up. So, um, yeah, I mean, we call it death camp, but it was actually a lot of fun. Um, I, I think, well, I think Bumby didn't have very much fun because his hip hurt. Um, <laughs> and I can't imagine trying to do those workouts with a bum hip, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, we just kind of like really went for it and some of us kind of paid the price. Um, but that's, I don't know. Part of the sport. Yeah, there's an element of like, well, maybe it would have been better if we would have been more measured, but also you kind of want to see what you got. Like that's 
that's why we all kind of join up with Jerry and, um, you know, that's, it's part of, it's part of the fun of it is like, I'm going to take some risks and I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to see what my body has. And sometimes you, you know, sometimes it doesn't have what you hoped it had. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's been seven years since this so-called death camp. Have you been to any of Bowerman's training camps that have been as impressive as the one you just mentioned? Um, or has there been one where there's been as much camaraderie? Because it seems like this one had an especially amount of camaraderie um, kind of culminating in the Buffalo Park invite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, there's always tons of camaraderie. I mean, the team has just like changed a lot over the years. You know, after that, like I... I kind of didn't go to camp with the team with like with the rest of the team for a while. Cause I was doing marathon stuff. So I was on a totally different schedule. And I mean, some of the stuff like Mo does or Mo and Lopez and Tentro and like, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, so I, I think I, I, Jerry has toned down, like he wouldn't do that much volume at 5k pace now. Um, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of like a one-time thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's some, there's been some incredibly prof- uh, you know, impressive workouts and, um, guys have, yeah, I mean, Mo and Woody and, you know, I don't know, there's just a ton of talented guys on the team now. And, um, they do awesome, awesome sessions. I mean, there was a, definitely a few sessions in flag earlier this year in the winter that I was like, kind of, kind of blew my mind. Um, but also like I'm kind of old and ran a bunch of miles in the marathon now, so I couldn't do them with the guys. So <laughs> I can, you know, it's harder. It's harder for me to weigh in objectively. Uh, while we're on the subject of training and kind of your earlier years with the group, you were a super accomplished cross country runner, um, placing really high up and winning many of the U S titles, but then also placing high up at some of these world cross country championships. Um, so first off, what was it like competing at those, but also from a training perspective, how did Jerry's, training kind of differ from track to cross country because I feel like um they're two pretty different um training styles if I'm not mistaken uh no they 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 really weren't very different at all um I don't think I did yeah when I think I think yeah I won I won three U.S. cross country titles um and I didn't, I never did any extra grass or hills or anything like that. Um, you know, we, we would do our repeats on the grass or the turf, uh, you know, our mile repeats I talked about or two mile repeats or whatever they may be. Um, just like as a team. And yeah, when I would go to prepare for those, those U S cross country championships, I'd basically just like train like a five K 10 K guy and then just, then just go run. Um, and I, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of the way to do it. I think, I don't know, fitness is fitness. And like, I guess some people really struggle in the mud. Um, and there's been a couple, I think there's been a couple of courses recently that were pretty crazy, but, um, maybe, you know, specific preparation would help, but yeah, I think, I kind of think that, um, yeah, if you're, if you're really fit to run a 5k, like you can run a great cross country race, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether, you know, even if it's 12k or what have you, like, I don't really feel like there's that much of a difference. Gotcha. So, uh, You've run marathons, you've been on the track, but then as we were just talking about, you've also run many cross country races. So which one is your favorite or do you kind of like them all the same? Yeah, I like, I think I like cross country the best. Um, you know, part of that is just like nostalgia for college. It's like, do I like cross country or do I like being 20 years old? (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I've always really enjoyed cross country. I think it's super fun. Um, 
you know, the marathons are, are, uh, marathons are really fun as well. Just like the huge crowds and stuff. It's like a totally different experience. And like, ideally you should feel good for a long time, which is not true on the track or in cross country. Um, but you know, I don't know when I think about how I fell in love with the sport and what some of my fondest memories are, um, you know, I do think about cross country. So I'll, I think I'll say that that's my favorite. So going back to something we were just talking about, um, you were talking about going up to Flagstaff this year and those guys ripping some sessions. What's it like kind of taking on this position as one of the first people in the group and kind of watching these young kids run super fast times, make Olympic teams, and how has it been kind of embracing the role as an older guy um, and maybe mentoring some of these young bucks? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Um in, in some sense, it's tough to just watch yourself get passed by by new guys who come into the group. But um, I don't know. I just I think a lot of the guys we have are just awesome people, and they work so hard. And like I don't know. I think about uh, you know I I look at the commitment that a guy like uh, Grant say has to like uh, his like rehab and um, just kind of like supplemental. Uh, stuff in terms of like, like supplemental in terms of like exercises, you know, where like he's really, really dialed in and focused on what he needs to do to keep his body, um, healthy. And I'm like, man, I, I wish I, I wish I had that wisdom when I was his age. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just been really cool. And like, like I said, I've always considered myself, like, I think the, the team has always been a very important thing to me. And, um, I think Jerry's done a great job of, of recruiting great people and, um, people, you know, I really enjoy being on the team with and people I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. Can you take us through this past 2021 indoor? I guess you guys didn't really have one, but you had races this past winter. Um, so I'll call it indoor, indoor season and outdoor season. And then just your general thoughts of how it went and how you're moving forward from it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely pretty tough for me. I mean, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, my 10 KPR is still from when I was, when I was 21 in, in college and, um, you know, that was a big, that was a, a big thing. I wanted to just take another shot at to see if I could lower that. And, um, I've had problems with, you know, some, some nerve issues in my leg that make, make competing hard. Um, you know, my leg kind of goes dead when I run too many laps around the track. And, uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to take a shot at, at, at trying, you know, just to see, just to know like if I could do it or not. And, you know, some of the workouts went really well, but the races, you know, I had to drop out of the first 10 K we did because like, I, you know, I just, my leg stopped kind of working and, um, yeah. And then the, by the time I kind of got to some of the outdoor season, I was maybe a little, a little overcooked in terms of training. I was, you know, maybe a little fried. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was, it was definitely a tough time for me, um, personally in terms of my racing. And, um, I was, yeah, mentally, uh, I don't know, just, just kind of struggling with seeing the writing on the wall of like, man, like, you know, I'm not going to, not going to give back to that guy that I was on the track. Um, but at the same time, like the team has had so much success and, um, I got to see some guys, you know, really blossom and, and that was super cool as well. And like, you know, even, um, even when I wasn't running well, it's like the guy, I really just really enjoy being with the guys on the team and being at camp and, I don't know. It's just, it's a great and, and it's a great experience that I, I've, I've always treasured. So, um, that was really nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, going forward, I'm just going to go back to the marathon and, um, you know, try to, try to have some fun with that. So you mentioned, um, like 
keeping things light, it sounds like, and having fun. You just mentioned um, trying to have fun doing the marathon. Why do you think it's important to keep running fun and kind of not get too focused or like too um, type A about things sometimes? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I think it depends on the person. I think some people need to have less fun and be more focused. And, um, you know, for me, I just, I, you know, when I talk about like having fun with the guys, it's more just like, just like life, you know, like just talking on runs and getting into stupid arguments about stuff, <laughs> which I enjoy. And, um, I don't know, uh, watching basketball or playing Catan or whatever it is. And just like being around people that I really like and respect and, um, you know, I hope we're lifelong friends. And so that, that's like the fun part for me. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I think everyone's, I think, uh, in terms of what you need, like as an athlete, whether it needs to be like, you know, racing or training, whether it needs to be fun, more fun or more serious, it's like, you know, everyone's on a different margin, so to speak. Um, you know, some people probably could use buttoning down a little bit. Um, and some people could really use, you know, taking the edge off. And, um, yeah, I think I actually, I guess I don't really know where I stand on that. I think, um, but I would, I would like things to be, I would prefer that my life be more fun than less fun. So, um, I'm going to try to live that way. Mm-hmm. What are some goals you have for this upcoming year? And then also what motivates you to chase after those goals every day? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to run, you know, I like to run a fast marathon, um, and, you know, run, you know, two ten or under and, um, yeah, in terms of motivation, I don't know. It's never, never really been a problem for me, I guess. Um, I like, I like being fit and I like running fast and, um, you know, that's, that's the formula kind of what we're talking. Yeah. (laughs) I like kind of, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like I just, uh, I mean, I, I, I want to be good. I want like, you know, I want people to, to know that I'm good and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's never really been a question I've had a hard time answering, um, in terms of like, or, uh, hard time answering for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you even want to be good at running? It's like, kind of been a background assumption of my entire my entire career yeah totally so is a fall marathon on the horizon or are you setting your sights a little further down the line uh yeah i'm gonna run chicago oh awesome going back to the hometown yep yeah speaking uh um i totally lost my train of thought i was gonna say speaking of your hometown are you a milwaukee bucks fan but i'm mixing up two completely different states so i'll wipe that question um and we will go into Final question before the rapid fire questions. You have a lot of fun endeavors um, other than just running. You are now a coach for High Gear Running, which is Andrew Bumalo, previous podcast guest. So shout out him, um, his uh, coaching company. And then you also, this past week, recently started a blog. I'll leave a show notes. Uh, I'll leave a link to those things in the show notes for anybody who's interested in checking those things out. So what went into the decision to do both of those things? And then also, why do you think it's important to give back to the sport in some way as you're doing in both of those things? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed coaching. I like, you know, I like, I really, really enjoyed doing our youth coaching stuff. So when Bumby approached me about joining up, it seemed like kind of a natural fit. Um, Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't, I've never been comfortable with, um, advertising for that sort of thing but i guess uh yeah if you're interested hit me up but um <laughs> you know I, I yeah it's been really fun um it's been fun to to you know coach some of the people i'm working with and like see their growth and um you know when i talked to a lot about coach manners gene and just like how important it is to to have someone else who believes in you and can validate what you're doing and like that's just kind of what i try to bring to to coaching and then um yeah as far as starting a blog goes i 
I don't know. I kind of, my friend, some of my friends encourage me to do it. Um, I have a lot of takes and, uh, you know, I tend to dump them on my fiance or whoever, whoever happens to be around. And, uh, I found, you know, that I haven't done a ton of writing since like long form writing since college. And, um, I think it always, it always disciplines the mind to, uh, you know, to like put those out there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. I, Originally, when I started, I was like, I was kind of like, oh, I'll write like this one thing, this one or two things about track, and then I'll like write about like history books I liked. But um, I think people are kind of expecting it to be a track blog now, <laughs> and um, you know, I like to please, I like to please people, so I'll probably, uh, I'll probably stick with that for at least for a little bit. I don't know, we'll see. He's, um, he's a man of the people. You heard it here first. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I don't know. Um, yeah, but it's I don't know. It's fun. I, I like. Uh, I, I like, and I, I, I wouldn't say I like arguing on the internet cause like that can be um, very, you know, a, a dead end, but I like, uh, I like thinking through problems and, and writing out, you know, what I think about them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see if, uh, we'll see how well I can keep it up and if people enjoy it and, um, if they do, then that'll be great. But, um, you know, if not, it's a, it's a big, it's a big internet out there, you know, people can find what they like. Yeah. Do you have any particular subjects you're hoping to write on in the coming months? Um, I've been, I've been trying to, you know, brainstorm some, some track, some track takes, um, which, uh, yeah, maybe even some of the things we touched on in this interview. Um, but yeah, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll keep people in suspense, I guess. Gotcha. Um, yeah. You'll have then, to subscribe then, to the newsletter or to the blog and then you'll, then you'll know yeah. what he, what he chooses. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then, you know, eventually, uh, I'll burn down all my credibility and write about like why the Algerian war of independence explains modern politics really go with with where my heart wants to go. But, uh, well, I'll read that too. So you have at least one, one follower. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. So this has been a delightful conversation, but closing out the episode, we do these things called the rapid fire questions, also known as going to the well segment. It's seven quick questions to close out our amazing conversation already. So are you ready for these seven questions, Chris? I am. Okay, number one, favorite piece of running gear or technology? Oh, um, hmm, hmm. Uh, my, my fiance, when we got engaged, she got me an Apple Watch so I can listen, so I can listen to pods when I, when I run by myself. And so, I, yeah, anything that allows me to listen to podcasts when I have to run, when I have to run solo. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, number two, what is the scariest animal you've encountered while on a run? Um, in college, Elliot and I got chased by, um, like a herd of cattle, uh, by Stanford campus. And like, they're actually quite large and fast. And so, um, there was a moment of realization, they just wanted us to leave, but there was a moment of realization that it was like, if they just wanted to like knock us down and run us over, like we would probably die. Um, so I'm glad that they're not that aggressive, but I was, (laughs) I was quite afraid. And also I'm Elliot's like, he's quicker than me for sure in a sprint. So like if they were going to take down one of us, it was going to be me. <laughs> you would have been, uh, yeah, that, that's a really funny story. Okay. Number three, favorite place you've run in Portland. Uh, yeah. Uh, Germantown road, uh, the, the leaf Erickson trail on Germantown road. Awesome. Okay. Number four, if you could race any distance against any athlete in the world, what would the distance be? And who would you choose to race? Um, I don't know. I, I'd race like Usain Bolt in like a mile so I could just crush him. And, yeah, <laughs> I feel like Usain Bolt. Did you see what, okay. The, some people are saying this was like, he wasn't trying, but did you see him race an 800 the other day? 
No, I did not. Okay, I'll, I'll have to send you the link when we're done recording. But he ran 240, but it was in like a, a commercial. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. You'll have to see it. Um, okay. But he ran 240. So, um, yeah, I definitely definitely think you could take him on in whatever he chooses because he doesn't, he doesn't seem too fit. And as Chris Derrick said, fitness no. is fitness. So I'm, I'm sure you're yeah. a little more fit at this point. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, so, so, so what I'm hearing is I should just race him in 800 and be done faster. Yeah, but, no. Uh, yeah. No, I totally get you. Okay, number five. What book has had the most impact on your life? Um, uh, I, I don't know if there's like, I'm not a big like you know, um, like self help or kind of like books that are about improving you sort of thing. Um, I kind of like to read for other reasons, but I guess I would say the book that had had the most impact on my on how I think about the world is a book called Post War by Tony Jutt. And uh it is a history of Europe from World War Two to the fall of the Soviet Union. Ooh, I will definitely have to check that out. Sounds very fascinating. And I'm a World War Two junkie, so I'll definitely I've never heard of it, so I'll definitely definitely have to check that one out. Okay, number six, describe Coach Schumacher in one word. Uh, one word. Hmm. Hmm. Um, puritanical. Ooh, that's a big word. Okay. Number seven. If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm. I would say, uh, probably I really, I like making a white wine pasta with like sausage and lots of vegetables. So I'd probably do that. Man, we need we really need this Chris Dare cookbook and maybe we can throw on some history hot takes or something cuz all these dishes sound phenomenal. And also, um normally on my normal episodes I ask seven questions. So just as like I'm kind of in the habit of saying we have seven questions, but I forget that whenever I have a Bowerman athlete on, I ask a special eighth one. So last but not least, the eighth question is which name is better, Bowerman Babes or Bowerman Bros? Oh, um yeah, I think Bowerman Bays is probably the better name. I mean, it was, it was the original one. Um, it was actually, it was, it began with, it was like the, uh, I think it was like, uh, like Kelly Hewling and Ann Bumbleow. They like, you know, they, the, like wives of some of the guys on the team back before we like had any women on the team. They, <laughs> they kind of like jokingly started saying that and then a bunch of women joined and they took, they took on the name. But, um, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely the more iconic, uh, the more iconic name. Gotcha. I, I can admit that. Well, Chris, it has been uh, delightful having a conversation with you and kind of picking apart your career. And uh, thank you so much for having the conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dominic. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the running effect if you enjoyed it as much as i did please like subscribe and share to help us out it takes so quick to hit that red subscribe button so please go ahead and do that it would mean a lot i'll catch you all in next week's episode so peace out god bless you all hope your running is going well